In this digital first world, the old ways of recruiting are becoming obsolete. Or are they? The talent demands on every business has put TA squarely in the hot seat. Welcome to Talent Acquisition in the Trenches, a real dialogue podcast with talent acquisition pros closest to the front line. We want to talk to our peers who are actually doing the heavy lifting day in and day out. You're going to learn what their biggest challenges are and how they're being solved. I'm your host, Matt Reimer, and I'm here to talk about TA. I've been in TA for over 20 years, and what I know is that I don't know. I'm here to listen and learn just like you. No scripts, just real dialogue. Talent Acquisition in the Trenches is powered by NACR, the preeminent association for healthcare recruitment professionals focused on education, networking, and providing resources to enable our members to become strategic business partners in the ever-changing healthcare environment. My friends call me Reimer, so friends, let's create some new riffs with Reimer. Thanks for trenching in. Today's guest is Courtney Whitmerhouse, Director of Workforce Planning and Recruitment at Sharp Health. Courtney and I had a chance to meet at TA Leap in 2022, actually in December. And doing some homework for this, I, I've asked some friends to describe, you know, a little bit about Courtney. We, we would position her as very courageous. I've heard that. Strong leader. Heard that. Lovely and caring person, which is the one that, that, that I love the, the, the most. So Courtney has a significant healthcare background, spending 10 years at Mercy Medical in Baltimore, and then the last two years at Scripps Health. Recently, she accepted a position at Sharp Health, where she is the Director of Workforce Planning and, and Recruitment Strategy. She's four months into to the job, and so we're super lucky to have her here on the show today. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Cool. So it's not often that I get to talk to somebody that's so new, you know, to, to, to their job. And so I, I would love to, to lean in a little bit and for the listeners, talk a little bit about the process of maybe getting the new job. Right. And so like, how, how did that go? You know, I guess as it relates to maybe establishing some expectations with the leadership team, you know, through the process or whatever, but more importantly, how do you frame up? as a TA leader, you know, that first 30, 60, 90 days, what, what does one do when they're brought to, to maybe do some transformation work to, to set themselves up for success here early on in your leadership experience with, with Sharp? Yeah. So, you know, I had an amazing interview process with Sharp where I really got to know what challenges they were facing. And I'm, I'm kind of a project person. I'm kind of a streamline and fix it up person. So mm -hmm. as they went into some of the struggles with implementing a new ATS and, you know, new ERP, I definitely felt like there were a lot of spaces where I could contribute. Mm -hmm. And so coming in, I, I knew I wasn't coming into a turnkey operation. I knew that there were some challenges and, you know, really it's sort of two pronged coming into a new team. There's a lot of excitement to be there in terms of what can we look at? What can we streamline? But you're also getting to know a whole new group of people, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to try to balance getting to know the new team with working on those strategic initiatives. And so my first 30 days, I will be honest, it was kind of a thrown right into the fire. The other analogy, drinking from a fire hose. It was a lot yeah. of information coming really quickly. And it was great because my leadership set me up to be introduced to all of the pertinent leaders across the organization. Mm -hmm. And that initial meeting is really important, I find. Um, okay. Just because you can 
start to put a face with a name as you start to see these things that are changing, like, oh, this is the person mm-hmm. who's kind of trying to transition these. But more importantly was actually for me to sit down and spend time with each member of my new team, mm-hmm. uh, get to know them both on a personal professional level. And so I spent quite a bit of time that first 30 days meeting with new team members. Um, the agenda we had was to kind of learn a little bit about them. Tell me whatever mm-hmm. it is that they felt like sharing. It was good to sort of learn what some some of their Are these boundaries like were. Open style interviews, or do you actually have a have a template that you go into these, you know, kind of formal meetings to make sure that you're you know, getting at certain things or are these more like, Hey, get to know you type of interactions like you and I are having here today? They're more of, they're, they're meant to be more conversational, but I know Mm. that, I mean, it's been a long time since I've had my leader picked for me. I've had the opportunity to change jobs and usually pick my leader along the way. So Mm -hmm. I, I know that for some people meeting a new leader might be a little scary. So I tried to provide some framework around like, Hey, this is what I want to talk about, you know? And it was, what do you want to share about yourself with me? You know, mm-hmm. and this, this helped me to learn where some folks boundaries are in terms of if they sort of blend together their personal and professional, or if they're very much like we keep the two separated. So it was an opportunity. I said, you know, share with me, whatever it is that you think is important or good for me to know about you. I'm happy to learn about personal, professional. I'm an open book. So I'll tell you anything mm-hmm. you want to know about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also wanted to go through, you know, what their experience at Sharp has been thus far. I have team members that have been here for 20 plus years, and I have team members that have been here for 20 weeks. Hmm. How big is the team? We have 25 recruiters. We have Hmm. four talent associates, which are kind of like coordinators. Um, And then we have a manager and a project coordinator. And she does all of our marketing and deals with our ad agency and updates our website. She's great at what she does. But so I wanted to give that opportunity for them to share with me what they knew about Sharp and what their experience had been. Um, Cause it'll help me also frame up, you know, who to go to for historical data or, mm-hmm. you know, is there something that was missing in your training that we can work on? And then I wanted to know what they thought was working really well, mm-hmm. because obviously if there's things that are working well, I want to make sure that we continue to, to keep those things going. But the, the big kicker, which I think ties in in line with how they felt with the, the workday rollout and implementation for TA was what's not working. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got a lot more feedback in the what's not working than with what's working. Yeah. Now, is that same template, the, the template that you use with your key stakeholders? And so you said, hey, you know, spend some time with the team up front. You know, I'm going to invest in, in relationships. Similar template when you sit down with a CNO or when you sit down with the chief operating officer or something different that, that, that you're digging in in that, you know, in that first 30 day tranche. Absolutely. And, you know, Matt, I'll actually tell you, I, I use what's working and what's not working continually. So Mm -hmm. usually in any introductory meeting, I'm like, tell me what you think so far about the function. Like, what Mm -hmm. what do you think we're doing? Well, where do you think we're missing the mark? Where aren't we meeting your expectations? Right. So when I'm talking to a hiring leader or, you know, those key stakeholders, where are we missing the mark? Because I mean, to meet or exceed any mark that you have. So that's a great way to do that. But I continue to do that when I have ongoing conversations, just checking in going, okay, some mm-hmm. things have changed. What's working really well? Is yep. there anything that's still not working well or is something else added to the list? My team often hears me before the end of any meeting going, all right, guys, what's working well right now? Good opportunity yep. for them to share. And then what's not working well, that helps me remove speed bumps for them. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. Sometimes I'll use, I was taught this one a, a while back and it, it's a, it's a blend of those two, you know, which is give me the top five brutal facts mm-hmm. about your team, you know, your, your work or whatever. And then, you know, work hard to kind of coach them around, you know, this idea of like, not your opinions, it's facts. Mm-hmm. What are the facts about us? You know, so, so I love that. So you get, you get this new opportunity in the interview process, you know, was there any, you know, expectations that were set for you over the 30, 60, 90, like certain milestones that you were to hit, or was it for you to come in, assess, and then make, make recommendations? And, and I guess based upon, you know, that path, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of curious how that dictates or, or doesn't dictate what you spend your time on right out of the gates. So we had a plan. <laughs> And then the plan met the real world. (laughs) And then the plan met the real world. Yeah. Um, When I showed up on day one, they definitely had some 30, 60, 90 milestones that that we Mm -hmm. wanted to hit. So my 30 day was to assess the team, kind of figure out, do do we have a a good set of people? Which we do. We have great Mm -hmm. people there. The second, the 60 days was then to really kind of dig into our process. And then 90 days, I was going to be giving recommendations for what I thought we needed to do. Well, I'd say we hit that 90 day mark around day 35. Did you? So I, I'm the person who, once I start seeing things, my brain starts going and things just start happening. We Mm -hmm. also had a number of situations that just sort of came up where I go, well, yeah, Mm -hmm. we need to skip ahead in this plan. So I went through, I I did a SWOT analysis in terms of our, our team and our process and, you know, saw there's definitely some opportunities for us as well as identifying what those threats are outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of gave me a good framework for really launching into what we need to do to our process to streamline mm-hmm. it. Now, you know, kind of around that, in, you know, I, you know, I know when, when we were at Leap, you know, we, we had a conversation about just you know, data and analytics. It, it, was there any numbers or, you know, I guess, you know, data that mattered to you or to the leadership team that you were trying to impact or influence, you know, you know, in this, in this first, uh, you know, this first period of time, like, hey, Courtney, like what we, got, what we really got to do is X, Y, Z. And, and this number is this, and it needs to be this. Is there anything like that? Or was that you establishing some of those baselines before the organization? So I'm going to be establishing those baselines. And one of the things that I learned very early on is that we've not been utilizing metrics and data that were readily available out of Workday. And Mm -hmm. having worked with metrics and benchmarks before, looking at the data that we were getting out of Workday, it's not necessarily giving us what it is that's useful for us. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. one of the projects that I've started is with our HRIS team. And I walked through, I'm like, look, I want to build a scorecard for the team so that they can see Mm -hmm. these items on a regular basis, see how they rank and what the team average is. Like, I also Mm want to have a, I'm not going to call it a high level. I'm going to call it like the 10,000 feet when they tell you, you can, you can undo your, take your computer out, you know, that level of a dashboard, if you will, for our senior executives, because there's not been a lot of transparency around any of the metrics and numbers and timing that we've been hitting. And mm-hmm. the team has not traditionally been held to any of those. So I'm, I'm definitely coming in and saying, no, we need to look at metrics. We need to see where we're at against benchmarks and we need to share the information. 
Mm-hmm. I am very much a, I will share the information. And if it's something that my team needs to work on, I will own that and we will work on it. But I'm yeah. also the person who, if I have a hiring leader that is coming to me and saying, recruitment is taking forever. I'm not getting any candidates on my dashboard. I'm the first person to go back and look at the data and say, look, we had X number of candidates apply. You've had this many forwarded to you. And on average, that took three days. Yeah, You've had this many candidates sitting on your dashboard for two weeks and haven't let us know whether you were going to interview them or not. So I tend to use metrics both ways. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's very helpful when trying to combat the emotion of what's going on in TA. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So it sounds like, you know, really building for the team an operational dashboard, you know, so that maybe you can understand some of you know, how your, your stages are working, you know, your flows working, that type of thing. And then giving the the leadership a little bit of an, you know, a lagging metric. Hey, mm-hmm. we, we filled this many, Hey, this is, you know, some, some higher level. Are there some metrics that matter the most to you? Like, are, like when you're assessing a team at this stage, or you're looking at a team at this stage, are there some metrics that you'll really hone in on um, to kind of get it moving in the direction that you want to get it moving in? Or is it more so just getting, you know, the dashboard set? So, you know, hey, to use the car analogy, I'm looking at a dashboard. There's mm-hmm. four or five things on here that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. You, do you have an approach on that or some, some thoughts of, of how, how you plan to, to deal with that? Well, a couple of things I'm waiting for. First is for the new Rogue Hire benchmarks, which yeah. I think are going to help Those are me coming out. out soon. Actually, yes. this week, I think. So. I know. I'm very <laughs> patiently waiting for those because I'd like to yep. see where our team's at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we need to establish a baseline. And then once we get to that baseline, we can start looking at progress that we want to make. Yeah, I understand that the name of the game for the last two years has been speed to market. How fast are we getting positions posted? How quickly are we getting candidates from the completed application in front of our hiring leaders? And then how quickly are those leaders interviewing, assessing, and making an offer decision? Mm-hmm. Oh, so for me, these next probably, well, we'll just call it for the next 12 months at least. We're really yeah. going to hone in on what that speed is between each stage. Yep. How quickly yep. are we doing this? And once we establish what that baseline is, setting incremental goals for the team to eventually shave that number down. It's important to note, Matt, we don't have any self scheduling technology. Mm-hmm. top of our system right now. So interviews, screenings, those are all being scheduled. I call it the old school way. Yep. Good old yep. phone, email, and and text message. So, you know, we are working on implementing some technology, which will probably be great for our, our next conversation to let you know how that's going. Yep. But so right now I feel like those, those numbers are going to be a little bit larger and we're going to work on efficiencies so that we can shave time off. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I get a, I get a sneak peek, you know, of the benchmarks here late last week and and early to this week. And there's, there's really some, as you had articulated, some that have moved and some that that stick out to me just as process metrics Mm -hmm. that, you know, I think we as TA leaders as as a whole need to continue to dial in on. And and one of the ones that pops out is just time to source Mm -hmm. how long it takes to actually identify you know, what in the end ends up being the, the, the final candidate. Mm-hmm. And so the median across healthcare right now, and I'm, I'm staring at it right now is 52 days. So think about that. that 52 about days right, on though. average. 
Yeah. You know, and I think that's what we're all experiencing. And, you know, so if you're stacking, so 52 is what we're experiencing and I have some control over it. Maybe I have a little bit of control over it or whatever. Then to your point, if I'm stacking, you know, bottom quartile performance on all those other three or four that you're looking at, man, that the time can really elapse, you know, on, on the process. So I want to swim back to a spot here before we get too far away from it. You had said like, hey, kind of had a plan for that, you know, so I got 30 in, I got the relationships built. I had a plan for the next 60 to kind of align on process, kind of get, get my bearing, but then something disrupted it. Mm-hmm. What was that something? Was there, <laughs> can you talk about that? Or like, what was so important that kind of pulled you off plan and put you into like active fix mode? So I can't pinpoint one single thing. Mm-hmm. I think it was a, a series of compounding events where I really decided that one major change needed to become our priority. Um, and so that just to give you a little bit of, of history, I, I find that the way Workday was built was efficient for how our processes work right now. Mm-hmm. Our processes need to be updated. And with mm-hmm. that, our Workday workflow needs to be updated as well. So I keep calling sure. it, I'm going to reimagine our, our workflow. But there were certain things within our actual processes that I found were creating a lot of speed bumps and back and forth that didn't necessarily need to be there. Mm-hmm. So all the organizations I've ever worked at, offers have been centralized to the recruitment team. So a hiring leader selects that candidate, they let their recruiter know. The recruiter develops the offer, calls, does the verbal offer, sends out the written offer, and really kind of picks that candidate back up from the hiring leader, gets them into onboarding, and then delivers them um, on day one. Sharp, for the last 15 plus years, has actually had the hiring leaders extending those verbal offers. So there was a lot of back and forth between going back to the recruiter, finding out what rate to extend, going back and connecting in with the candidate. Again, remember, we don't have anything automated to help schedule that. And then once that offer has been accepted, it goes back to the recruiter and they have to do the written offer. So um, I really found that that was taking a lot of time and it was creating space for unneeded potential errors. Sure. Yeah. So I I really, let alone building offers would have to be a challenge. Yeah. You know, kind of getting the comp right at Mm -hmm. some level would have to have been a a significant challenge in that, in that model. Yeah. So So why did, why was it set up like that? I'm just kind of curious. Or was there no backstory to that? Just kind of the way it always had been. That's just sort of the way it's always been. And, you know, that's not always the the best way to do things. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with how it worked. It worked for 15 years. Um, But I think our organization is so large that to have that so decentralized, it just, it it opens up opportunity for errors to happen. And when we're looking at our speed to get those candidates into our, our hiring process, removing any extra steps or lag time in between is key. Because I mm-hmm. know that all of our local competitors utilize systems that allows them to have candidates self-schedule, get those offers out much faster. Yeah. yeah. So really, you know, there were a, some compounding factors that kind of went into that. And I was like, this needs to be our first big project. And 
Were you hearing that in your listening sessions that the offers were, were a challenge? Like, was that showing up with the recruiters or with the stakeholders, or was that just you digging into the process at some deeper level? So I was hearing a little bit of it from some of the recruiters, some of the newer recruiters mm-hmm. who were more used to having mm-hmm. that full cycle recruitment. Yeah, yeah. And some of the leaders had some feedback in regards regards to that, but it wasn't until I started digging in and seeing like, how long are, are candidates in each stage and asking more questions and digging deeper to be like, okay, how are we doing this? And yeah. why is it going there? And so this step happens after that step, like just trying to figure out what the why behind it, why were we doing it that certain way yeah. and what needed to happen. And so what's great is I was able to get senior leadership on board for us to centralize it and bring it in awesome. to the recruitment team. So what I did to get ready for this is I actually pulled in six or seven of our most experienced recruiters that had mm-hmm. the most sharp experience and have worked in areas before where they've extended offers. And they're actually devising the training for our team. They're devising wow. the training for our leaders so that we can make sure everybody is very well prepared when we do decide to kind of rip that bandaid off and start having the offers be extended by the recruitment team. So that that from a leadership perspective is really important. Speed to action, right? And so they're like, let's just play that out, right? You're you're seventy ish, maybe days in sixty at this point in time when you've identified what what amounts to like a big organizational change from a from a TA perspective. Did did you have a hard time getting the buy in from the leadership to do that, or is is this really is the lesson here like, you know, hey. You know, when you see some low lying fruit mm-hmm. uh, as a new leader, you know, go go for it. Like go, you know, make the change happen while while that newness is still there. Or, or kind of like just talk us through like what was going through your head when when you decided to go after that so early on in your cycle. Well, I don't really have any chill when it comes to <laughs> getting things done. I I'm the yeah. person where if you say okay, start on things, I just I just go. When I was hired, my SVP and VP that I am, that I work very closely with, a big motivation behind them bringing me in is they wanted the energy and the, um, the process of TA to kind of get shaken up. So they didn't bring me in thinking I was just going to come in and go, okay, we'll make little tweaks along the way. They brought me in with the intention of shaking things up and, and modernizing our process. So I I do recognize definitely there is senior leadership buy-in that needs to happen. And, you know, I went through all the steps. I did the presentations. I did the SBARs. I put together all the information that was needed so that my SVP could go to her peers Mm -hmm. and our CEO and explain why this was so important. Mm-hmm. And so partnering with her really allowed us to get this to move forward. And you know, it didn't, it didn't all happen in one fell swoop. She went and she came back. She says, they have some questions. Okay. Yeah. Fabulous. Get me the questions. Okay. I'll get you the data that you need and yep. and why we should do it. And she went back. And so about a month ago, she came back and said, all right, go yep. for it. <laughs> so we're, we're getting ready so to get that out. You spent a lot of time and I've heard you say why, you know, why, you know, two or three times here, like mm-hmm. taking time to explain the why, not only to the recruiters, but you know, to senior leadership as as well about the 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 change that you're you know taking you know the change journey, mm-hmm. if you will, that you're taking the team on. So you know you're hired to transform that, right? And so like you know that that's that's fun. Let's lean into that idea, right? 
And so, uh, you know, you, you, you launch into this, you know, big process change, you know, for the organization, you know, for the organization, it sounds like you're in the middle of it right now and that will go well, right? You'll, you'll execute that one and, and get that one, you know, rolling. Talk to us a little bit about how you, you begin to kind of build momentum against that transformation, you know, kind of task that you were brought, brought there to do. Is it process? Is it more process stuff? Is it more tech stuff? Is it more people stuff? Is it more inspiration? Like, like what is it here as you lean from, you know, month four to month six to month nine that you're going to really focus the team on? So you kind of need to focus on all of those things at the same time. Bringing the team along for changes, it, it's hard. They're, the, the leader who was here previously had been here for a very long time. So there's there's a lot of change with getting to know new personalities. I'm very blunt. I'm very straightforward in, in mm -hmm. what I'm looking for. So I think the team kind of understands where I'm going. Mm -hmm. um, but making sure that they're sort of buying into these changes as well. And for me, sometimes it's just taking the baby steps. So this mm -hmm. this launch into centralizing offers is the first major change, but we've made a lot of little tweaks along the way. And mm -hmm. part of it was from those early conversations, realizing that we didn't necessarily have any documented training or a mm -hmm. documented process that was in place. So that that was sort of the, the launching pad for me to be able to explain to the team why we needed to look at our process. We don't even have it written down how we do it right now. Mm -hmm. You know, we have 25 recruiters that are all sort of doing things a little bit differently. They're all sort of within the same framework Mm -hmm. all very different and all customized to the areas that they support. And so the first goal for the team is to participate in the streamlining of what our process actually is. So I engaged the team to actually sit down and build an SOP. Mm -hmm. Let's go through our process from start to finish. Like, how do we do things? If I bring in a new recruiter who knows how to recruit, but doesn't know Sharp, I should be able to hand them a, a guide, or let's say in this world, we'll be emailing them a guide. And they should be able to, from start to finish, hire a candidate. Mm -hmm. Should have every step that they need. And so I think enabling the team and empowering them really to, to have a say in that development has been mm -hmm. key. That's in flight right now, building the standard yep. SOP. Yep. yep. So we've built out, I keep referring to it as like the, the spine. If we're building mm -hmm. out the skeleton, we've got, we've got the spine, we've got the basics of what we do. Now we're at the point where we need to go in, refine and add detail to all of the mm -hmm. different pieces that you don't necessarily think about. And in those- Why is that detail so important? Oh, okay. Have you seen the YouTube video of the dad who asks his kids to give him directions on how to make a peanut butter sandwich? No, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> I'll have to send it to you. You'll love it. You send it to me, yeah. So <laughs> this this dad asks these kids to put together some written directions for how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And they come back, mm -hmm. you know, the directions that they give are take two pieces of bread and put the peanut butter on the bread. So the dad takes out the two pieces of bread and puts the jar of peanut butter on the bread. Oh, I see. And the kid's like, dad, no, that's no, that's not right. Yeah. And so he goes back and says, okay, go back put more detail into it. And he comes back and he does the same, put the knife in the peanut butter and he just pops it in. And well, what do I do next? So having the basics, right? The bread, the peanut butter, the jelly, the knife, that's the initial piece you need, but you need the detail of how to use it. 
Yeah, I love that. You run yeah, into that. situations that you've not necessarily encountered and you want to make sure you have a process in place. And that's not to say that you're not going to run into something randomly that's a situation you haven't encountered. That's the fun mm-hmm. part of TA. At least once a week, you should hear something where you go, y'all ran into that. Okay, let's figure out how we're going to attack that. Um, yeah. But the detail piece is key so that everybody can be consistent. Yeah. And for me, yeah. getting the team to a consistent practice is going to be key. It allows for more flexibility in the coverage for our service lines, but it also provides more consistency for our coverage of one another. You know, mm-hmm. when I joined, some of the feedback I got is that a lot of team members felt like they couldn't take PTO because they didn't want to ask somebody else to cover their desk. Uh. So we're trying to get it to a space where if everybody's operating on a, on the same platform, then you can cover somebody's desk and they know exactly how to run your desk and the leaders know exactly what to expect. So you get to, you know, let's say we are, you're at four months now, you get to six months, mm-hmm. right? And you and I agreed to do a, I think a three-part series here where we're going to do some, some, some check-in intervals on kind of how the, the onboarding of a TA leader into a new organization is going and, and learn some lessons, you know, along the way. So you get to six months and you do a look back mm-hmm. and, and the look back is that, you know, Hey, I built some relationships, made, made, a, made an important process change as, as it relates to offer letters. And I built an SOP for my organization. We built an SOP. We built an SOP. Let's we be built clear on that. <laughs> good. We built it. We built it. That's a good correction. Is that a good first six months for a TA leader? Gosh, I think so. You like that? It depends. Yeah, I think it it all depends on what you walk into. And in six months, if we accomplish that, I'll feel good about it. So that's a good point. I mean, you know, when you went to Scripps, you know, that was a different experience. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to talk about that. But it was probably a different team, different culture, different Mm -hmm. levels of maturity. And so that first six months there maybe felt completely different than the six months here. Right. So I think that's a good point. And absolutely different external circumstances as well. You know, when I joined Scripps was right when the great RN resignation really, Mm -hmm. really kicked in. So challenging that challenge was what sat there for me versus here at Sharp. My challenge is more looking at our process and streamlining and centralizing things. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, a question as it relates to to how you manage your time. Mm -hmm. So you have all this stuff coming at you, the reactive stuff. People want to talk to you. People want to interact with you. People asking you to be on podcasts, you know, this type of thing. <laughs> how, how do you, and, and you're, you're a girl mom, so you've got, you know, family yeah. you know, responsibilities that are integrated into this big job that you have. How, how do you manage your time? And then what do you prioritize? Well, I will tell you, I always prioritize my family. And I will tell everybody on my team that my expectation is that they do the same. There is nothing that somebody can't help cover or that can't wait one day for you to do something for your family. So my, my husband knows that my children know that, like if there's something that needs to be done, they're my priority. I try to prioritize my time at the beginning of the week to see what it is that I need to get done. I also use time blocking, Mm -hmm. not the best at it right now. 
but for the most challenge, right? It's a challenge when there are so many different things <laughs> going on. Yeah. And, right. you know, I mentioned our, our project coordinator, Alyssa, who is fabulous at our advertising and marketing, but she also has access to my calendar. And we were just talking earlier. I'm like, you're the guardian of my time. She'll move things around, which is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to time block and mm-hmm. I try to accomplish in that time, all of the tasks that I need to be an individual contributor for. I need to respond to mm-hmm. emails. I need to return phone calls and work on any deliverables that I have because I can very mm-hmm. easily find myself in calls from 8 a.m. to 5. It's yep. happened. Yep. And yeah. so I try to do that. But also, my life is very integrated with my work. And my work is very integrated with my life. Mm-hmm. My brain doesn't necessarily shut off when the day ends. I tend to think best and have the best ideas when I'm out walking. Mm-hmm. So I will build walking time into my schedule just because I know that I'll likely get some really good thoughts or be able to spend some time. Mm-hmm marinating over a problem i always bring my phone with me just so i can like jot down an idea if i have it yeah but you know finding finding that time to also make sure i'm taking care of myself allows me to make sure i'm taking care of everything i need to do for work and for my family yeah we got that nice southern california weather right where a walk sometimes in the sun makes a a big significant difference you walk and talk do we we do walking meetings ever or is it all just (laughs) you time just Courtney, you know, when I'm when I'm out walking, it's just me and my thoughts. Well, usually the time that I go, I usually go first thing in the morning. I I try walking and talking before. Um, mm-hmm. Full disclosure, I live at the base of a mountain range, and our neighborhood is very hilly. And the gotcha. first couple of times so I tried to walk and talk, I was like, "So listen, <laughs> I'm gonna walk and you're gonna talk because I can't breathe right now." <laughs> I'm out of breath here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Join hundreds of your healthcare TA peers and enjoy the benefits of a Knacker membership today. Free educational webinars, access to our listserv, and discounts to your CHCR certification. All of this and much, much more for as low as $80 per person annually. Learn more at Knacker.com. That's N-A-H-C-R.com. So what was what did we agree we were going to check in on time horizon? So when when are we checking in next on on this experience? Are we are we going to do we talked about now mm-hmm. and then what what day range are we going to check in next? Well, you know, I think originally we had said 90 days, 6 months and a year, but given that we're yeah. about 4 months in, why don't we do just a three check-ins? We'll do 4 months, 8 months, 12 months and see how we're doing. All right. So then at 8 months, mm-hmm. so we check back in with you. You know, you get this, you get this four month, six month thing moving. What what are some of the bigger milestones that you hope to connect with on the the next, you know, four to six months? Like, what are some big things that are on your list that we maybe haven't talked about that that need to show up for this integration of you into this organization to go well? Your perspective. All right. So I think the next big big initiative is going to be for us to reimagine our workday process. And that'll be working with HRAS and with our IT team to actually do the redesign of our, our workflow. Because when I talk about recruitment strategy with executives that are asking me like, okay, how is this workday redesign that you want to do? And how is this AI technology that you want to implement going to impact your strategy? What's your strategy? Mm. Year one, my strategy is simply to streamline 
and bring consistency to our process. Mm-hmm. And talking about sourcing and getting candidates and from outside, like right now we need to focus on what's in our house and working on streamlining that process. Mm-hmm. I want to put AI on top of that so that once, once we're streamlined, it's kind of like you, you kick up the current and all of a sudden everything mm-hmm. speeds up, but it's, there's no resistance in that flow mm-hmm. at that point. So I think in our next automation of scheduling, automation of sourcing, automation of database mining, like what, what, when you say AI, like what's in your mind that really kickstarts and, and lights that fire? I mean, the first thing we really just need to do is some of that self-scheduling. I mean, that's just the, that's the low-hanging fruit um, mm-hmm. for that automation. And I think we can, we can move that in to providing additional support to mm-hmm. candidates as we're moving them through our process, being able to continually communicate with them throughout their onboarding to keep them engaged so they mm-hmm. don't ghost us at the finish line. Yep. Um, yep. and so that'll probably be that, that third four month increment will be where we're really getting heavy into Played that. But yep. my strategy for the first year is us. It's our process. Yep. It's getting us all aligned into a frictionless flow for our candidates and then speeding it up a little bit. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Like, uh, you know, and I've, I don't use the word struggled with this over the years, but it, it, it's, it's always very present for me, which is like, you know, the, the ATS structure, the process structure, the, the technology, right, is something that the recruiters literally and the coordinators, the team, let's say, mm-hmm. literally uses every day, day in and day out. That The optimization of that tool is in the end the, 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 a, a huge leverage point for every TA leader. Yet, right, we install it. And, you know, this is general. I'm using generalization. Yeah. I mean, certainly there's organizations that are that are very dialed in and focused on this. We install it. And, and so we, we, we have this pent up project to, to get the thing installed or whatever. And then it's just slow as molasses to, to change it, to evolve it, to tweak it, to really configure to the human's experience mm-hmm. in their day to day process. And, and so kudos for you for for kind of forcing that, you know, reimagine. And then hopefully, you know, keeping the, the the foot on the gas here as time goes on, configure, reconfigure, think, evolve, you know, and, and really just design it for the human interface. And and so that's that's an awesome approach. One last question for you for round one here. Why why did you choose healthcare? So you've been you've been here for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mercy Medical ten years, scripts two here. You know, why healthcare? Matt, I tripped and fell. Tripped and fell. I'm kidding. I tripped and fell into healthcare. <laughs> Do you like it? I love it. Love it. I right, love right. it. I actually, my first job in healthcare was a temp gig. So okay. I decided back in 2011, I had very much a leap and the net will appear mentality. I'd been in Arizona my whole life. And I was like, you know what? I just want to get out of Arizona. I've got to try something different. And I thought that if I didn't go right then, I would never go and I'd be there forever. Yeah. A friend of mine was moving to Baltimore and I was like, sounds good. Let's give it a try. Always wanted to live on the East Coast. So she and I signed a lease on a house sight unseen mm-hmm. in Federal Hill. I packed up my dog. I packed up all of my stuff. I left my job and I said, okay, we're going to Baltimore. Here we are. Landed in Baltimore and gave myself a couple of weeks. Was that your first East Coast experience? As an adult, had- yes. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah, an adult, yeah. yes. And so 
we landed there. It took a couple of weeks to get to know the neighborhood and sort of enjoy it. And then I was like, all right, it's time to find a job. And I, as I was looking at different opportunities and going on interviews, I talked to a temp agency and they're like, listen, we have this, this gig. They need somebody for, you know, six to eight weeks to do recruitment mm-hmm. for healthcare. Do you want it? I went, I interviewed, I liked the individuals and they invited me to come. And I turned into the temp that they couldn't get rid of. So I started as a temp. I then became a senior recruiter, front desk supervisor, manager. And when I left, I was their director of recruitment. And to say that I loved healthcare when I first got into it, it it's such an interesting point of being able to see how you're touching and impacting a community. It's different than any other recruitment job I'd had. And honestly, I fell deeply in love with healthcare during the pandemic. Do I wish the pandemic never happened? Absolutely. But did I fall in love with providing opportunities for individuals to come in and take care of our community? That was probably one of the most impactful things in my career. So I'm a a healthcare lifer. I can't imagine myself in any other vertical. Well, we're lucky to have you in healthcare. We're lucky to have you in the the extended community here, and 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 for you, your leadership, and sitting here, you know, listening to you talk, you know, and and the you know the the strength of your your vision and and the strength of you know really your direction. Um, I think in round two we need to talk a little bit about a little bit about your journey into leadership and and how we develop talent acquisition leaders. And so we, we, maybe we can take a little side journey there on on round two. So. But I think this is good for round one. What, what do you think? Is this a good place to stop here today? I think this is great and definitely look right. forward to it. So while, while, while folks wait for round two to happen here a few months out, if, if somebody w- wants to learn more about your journey, engage with you, do you hang out on LinkedIn or what's the best way to, to engage with Courtney? So I, I try to be on LinkedIn. So definitely, you know, send me a, a connection request. I'm not the best at checking my emails frequently because there's a lot of them, a lot of vendors in there. But I am happy to give you my email address if you want to post it with cool. the... Uh, put it in the show notes, maybe, if you're cool with that. You can go ahead and put that there. Vendors, yeah. that doesn't mean you can contact me. <laughs> not shopping for anything right now. No, exactly. I, I'm not, okay. not shopping for anything. I'm good on what I've got. <laughs> well, I really appreciate the time today. It's a, it's a pleasure as always. And thanks for trenching in. And we will talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Matt. All right. All right. We want to thank you for listening to TA in the Trenches. We are produced by Iron Mike and his team at Ironbound Media. Keep up the great work, team. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and check out all of our episodes at knacker.com. That's N-A-H-C-R.com. You also can find me out on LinkedIn where you'll find quick show riffs. Feel free to ping me. I always respond. Bye for now.